I want to share with you in Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse number 9, is a verse of scriptures here in verses 9 through 14 that I really have on my heart concerning the uh, prayer that I want to pray this year for you and I every day this year. Colossians 1, verses 9 through 14. This is, again, a new year, a new beginning. And I think that these verses of Scripture perfectly capture my heart as a pastor, and I believe the heart of God. Notice what it says here in verse number 9. It says, For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and ask that you be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So notice what it says there, that you would be filled with the knowledge of God's will, and God's will is God's word, and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Notice verse 10. It says that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. That's so important to me as a pastor and a shepherd, to see you walk fully pleasing to the Lord, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge and the understanding of God's word. And notice what it says here after that. Verse 11, strengthened. Everybody say strengthened. Strengthened with all might according to his glorious power, which is the power of the Holy Spirit, for all patience and long suffering or consistency, if you allow me to say that, with joy. Then notice verse number 12, giving thanks to the Father, being a person of thanksgiving, being a person of thankfulness, who's qualified us as partakers of this inheritance in the saints and the light. Of course, that all comes through our relationship with what Jesus Christ has done for us. And then verse 13, notice what it says. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and has conveyed us, as it says in the New King James, which really is, tra is translated as the word transferred. So let me read it like that. And has transferred us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, verse number 14, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. So ladies and gentlemen, Colossians 1, 9 through 14 is, a, is something that I really want to, I'm going to pray over you every day. I would encourage you to pray over, have you pray over it, over you and your family. There's a lot of revelation. There's a lot of truth in these verses. And again, the apostle, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the apostle Paul outlined here, a way that you and I can grow stronger in our relationship with the Lord and yet grow stronger in our representation of him in the earth. And there's found in these verses of scripture. Over in Philippians, Philippians chapter three, Philippians chapter three, I want to share with you today and begin a series called Vision. And of course, in this transition from the one year into the next. Over in Philippians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul said some words that are very dear to my heart. And there are three things I want to share out of this that I'll bring your attention to. In Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse number 12, notice this right here. It says, I've not already attained that I've already, excuse me, not that I've already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that which Jesus Christ has also laid hold of me. I sort of think about this as what a, what a great way to begin a new year. And, uh, but anyway, it's, it's great for any day, this attitude that he has in verse number 12. He says, again, I want to lay hold of what Jesus has already laid hold of me, laid hold for me, already done for me. In verse number 13, it says, I do not care count myself to have apprehended or arrived, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Verse number 14, notice what it says. I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Jesus Christ. So notice in verse 13, it says, I do not count myself to have arrived, but this one thing I do. And notice how he breaks it down here, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. 
Over the last year and going into this new year, there are three things there that are really strong in my heart there that he says that, first of all, we're to forget those things which are behind, or another way of saying forgetting is also forgiving, and we're going to talk about that. Then notice what he says after you forget or forgive those things which are behind. He says to reach forward to those things which are ahead. And so I think there are three things here, and I want to share with you this week and next week and as we move forward in this series on vision, because in order for you to see 2020 or any new year or anything that's before you, you've got to do these three things, as the Apostle Paul said, and I think he is the master of doing them. And uh, we're going to get into these three words in just a second, but I want to take you to the Apostle Paul at the end of his life. This is sort of, if you would like to say that this is the way he approached a new year. Over in 2 Timothy chapter 4, 2 Timothy chapter 4, I just want to go there before I get into these three words. I think it's interesting how in 2 Timothy chapter 4, the the Apostle Paul uh, says this at the end of his life, basically. He says this in 2 Timothy chapter uh, 4, verse 7. Notice what it says. He says, I have fought the good, I fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And I, uh, the reason that I think that he did these three, they, they did this so well, notice what he said here. He said, these things I've done here. Notice what it says. I fought the good fight. What does a good fight mean? The fight, a good fight is the one you win. <laughs> he says, I fought the good fight. I finished. I love that phrase. I finished. I finished the race. I finished the course to which God has, has purposed for my life. I finished what I believe he's assigned me to do. And again, this, this is again at the, end of the, at the end of his life. But yet at the same time, we can say that at the beginning of all our days, especially this year, I'm fighting the good fight of faith. I'm also finishing. I'm purposing to finish what God has, has purposed for my life. The other day I was at the uh, cemetery uh, just uh, over near our house where Pastor Ms. Lou Nichols were buried, and I was over there just, just stopping by briefly, just a, uh, an attitude of thanksgiving to what they mean to my life. And uh, I was uh, just looking at all the other graves around them. And the thing that I notice is, especially immediately around them, how many graves of, of people, the Nichols, of course, were in their 90s, but how many graves around them were people in their, some in their 40s and 50s, some barely, just barely 60. I'm, I'm about to be 60 years old, and I'm thinking, wow. I mean, how many of these people didn't finish a full life? How many people did not finish the purpose to which God created them to be? And it's so sad that, you know, a lot of people, you know, and, and again, it could be self-destructive. It could be a lot of other factors. It's the sin, the curse of this world. They don't finish their lives. They don't finish well. They don't, you know, again, you know, it's sad when you look at the people, and even famous people from, you know, Elvis Presley to, you know, I could go down the line, Whitney Houston, so many others, Prince. I mean, they all died in the middle of their lives, never finished or completing a design that God had for them. But you and I have the opportunity in the Lord to what it says here. I fought the good fight. I finished the faith. I finished the race. And notice what it says. I've kept the faith. I've kept my faith in God. I've kept my focus on the Lord. I focus on Him. I don't focus on my feelings. I focus on the Lord. You know, the, the, the Rocky movies or the Rocky series are, are really are, are special to me personally. And then the movie Rocky Balboa, I love what he says here. I was going to play the video clip, but I'll just read it to you. He summarizes his statement concerning his, that his son was real complex about the fact that he was going to be in this fight later on in his life, and he felt like he was embarrassing his family. And 
and he's out in front of the restaurant, and Rocky pulls him out there, and he says to this, listen to this quote again. He says, let me tell you, this is again talking about finishing the, the race and keeping the faith and fighting the good fight of faith. Notice what he says here. I love this quote. I, I just, I just, I think, again, um, Rocky Balboa is sort of the apostle of the day, if you allow me to say. He says, let me tell you this. He says, let me tell you something that you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's very mean and a nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody is going to get hit in life as hard as life hits. But it's not about how hard you get hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. It's how, you can keep, it's how much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. And I love that determination. I love that attitude of the fact that I'm not going to, even though I may fall, even though I may be going through something, I am going to keep moving forward regardless. And I think that's why people who have long longevity of life, I think that's one of the secrets to the, the longevity of life is the fact that they do what the Apostle Paul says right here. I, I'm fighting the good fight of faith. I am purposing to finish my race, and I am going to keep the faith. And I'm excited personally as I enter into my 59th year to be to, to in, within less than a year to be 60 years old. Because I, I believe in my heart, the older I get, the better I get. <laughs> That's just the attitude I have. And I don't want to go back in time. I want to move forward. And we're going to talk about that. The number one, and the, what the Apostle Paul said here in Philippians 3, uh, 12 through 14, the first word is the word forget. And turn over here to the word in, into the book of Jeremiah. Let's look, let's look at Jeremiah chapter 31. And then we're going to go to Psalms 103. I want, to, I want to capture the heart of God. Jeremiah's in the Old Testament. And I want you to know how the Lord thinks about forgetting. Uh, again, it's not a mental lapse. It's an attitude. And I think it's so important as we transition from one year into the next, we have to forget. And it says here in Psalm 30, excuse me, Jeremiah 31, verses 31, Jeremiah 31, 31. Listen to what the Lord says. This is the Lord speaking about how he was dealing with Israel. And notice what he says here at the end of this verse, uh, verse 34, as I read this whole thing. But just watch this now when it comes to the phrase forgetting. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Listen to this. Verse 32. Not a According to the covenant that I made with their fathers and the day which I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant which they broke, <laughs> though I was the husband of them, says the Lord. Notice what he said here. I mean, he was disappointed in them, but look what it says in verse 33. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. And after those days, notice that God is talking about a new beginning here. That's a new start. That's, that's the thing with our Heavenly Father that's so beautiful. I love about Him, and I love about the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 33, But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, say the Lord. I will put my law where? In their minds and write it upon their hearts, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Man, that is so personal what the Lord says. And He has not changed about His attitude towards you and I. Regardless of our situations, regardless of our attitudes, regardless of how many people that claim to be believers and ignore Him, and set him aside and live their lives in their flesh. And yes, people make the choices, and the reason why they are in those cemeteries at young ages is because they made choices that didn't honor God. 
And if you don't honor God, it's not God's fault, but it's a system and a laws of the spirit and the laws of the physical that will bring you to a place where you prematurely leave this earth in most cases. But notice what he says right here in verse 34. It says, no more, watch this, shall, shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother say, know the Lord, for they shall know me from the least to the greatest. I love this. And look what it says. This is the end of verse 34. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. Isn't that powerful? And I think that is the heart and the mindset that you and I have to have when we transition into a new year, when we transition from places that are hurtful, from places that have disappointed us. As the Apostle Paul said, I'm going to keep pressing forward. I'm going to forgive or forget. I'm going to forgive and I'm going to focus forward. Because the one thing Satan wants you to do, he wants you to live in your past. And we're going to talk about that more in just a minute. Over in the book of Psalms, it, it even clarifies it even more. Psalm 103 is just one one of those classic psalms that you need to read often. I read the whole chapter this morning. I just It's just so much to this psalms. Even Sheila read it this morning in our prayer time. I just thought it was so, it's such a powerful uh, book here. And notice what it says here in Psalm, uh, chapter, psalm 103, beginning in verse number uh, 8. Psalm 103, 8. Listen to this. It said, The Lord is merciful and gracious. He is slow to anger and abounding in mercy. Thank God. <laughs> Notice what it says here in verse number 9. He says, he's not always, he will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. Look at verse 10. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. Isn't that good news, ladies and gentlemen? I'm telling you what, this is so beautiful of our Heavenly Father. Verse 11, for as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards those who, what it says, fear him, or to those who love him, to those who purpose to live their life for him. And then look what it says as it moves on. It says, as far as the east is from the west, he's removed our transgressions from us. As a father loves his children, the Lord loves those who fear him and honor him. And notice what it says. It says in verse 13, as the father loves his children, the Lord loves us who who love him. And verse number 14, he knows our frame and remembers that we are dust. He remembers where we came from. But I love that verse as a scripture here. Watch this again. For in verse 11, for as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards those who love him. As far as the east is from the west, he's removed our transgressions from us. Just a couple of points I want to share with you here that I've written down that I think are, are prevalent to this word forget. Number one, you have to move forward in life and to forget your past failures. Whatever you have gone through in the last year that was a failure, you have got to let it go. You've got to forget it and you've got to forgive yourself and move forward. We're going to talk about that a little bit more in just a moment here. And something else that I think the Lord gave me many years Years ago, and I wrote this down because it just—it's just—it's just something that um, it really spoke to my heart many years ago. You can't—you've heard me say this many times. You can't drive drive through life looking through the rearview mirror. You cannot drive through life looking through the rearview mirror. That is a Brian Jacobs Holy Spirit quote. <laughs> what do you mean by that, Pastor Brian? All right, just picture this: you're driving in your vehicle. Sometimes you need to glance at your mirror, right? I understand that, but you don't stare at your mirror, do you? No, you don't, because if you do that, you're going to wreck. 
You can't live your life that same way. You can't keep looking in the past. you got to look forward. And I think that so many times Satan wants to take a past situation, a past obstacle, a past failure, and he wants to get you to focus on that instead of focusing on your future and who you are in the Lord. Because let me say it like this. You can't let your past define your future. Regardless of what you've been through, regardless of what, have ha- what has happened to you, regardless of the situation, it can have been an enormous failure. It could have been an enormous hurt. It could have been something that absolutely was destructive in your life. You cannot let it define your future. You have to move past that. And the only way you can do that is in the Lord. You've got to take these verses of Scripture in Jeremiah and Psalms and say, if God forgives and forgets, I've got to embrace that same attitude in my life. I've got to embrace this situation because Satan will do everything. Listen, here he is. And it's the way I look at him as far as his strategy. He will pressure you. He will just push you to a place to get you to do something. And then after he gets you to do something, then he'll do everything he can after you've done that to beat you down with condemnation. Does he not do that? That's his pattern. And so many believers, so many Christians get to a place where they think that once that that has happened, they cannot forgive themselves. They can't look past that. And they can't forgive, forget, and focus forward. As a matter of fact, I like to say it like this. God. God created the delete button. Did he not? There's a delete button with technology. And that delete button was created by our God, not by Apple or whoever that created these products that we so enjoy. But God created the ultimate delete button and it's found right here. And I think you have to tap into that delete button sometimes. And again, it all comes down to three areas. It comes down to your mind. It comes down to your mouth. And it comes down to your motives. If you purpose in your mouth to quit rehearsing your past and quit talking about that situation and let it go, you learn from it, it's time to focus forward, and then you put your mind to the place where you know it every time it comes, or if somebody tries to remind me about this situation, I'm just going to keep moving forward. I'm not going to think about it. I'm not going to worry about it. What does worrying about yesterday's affect anything today and tomorrow by worrying about what happened, something, especially something you can't change? Think about that. When Satan wants to get you in that circle where you're going around and around and around and around. And I think that's what the Apostle Paul mastered in his life. He had to forget those things. you got to remember something. The Apostle Paul was not always the Apostle Paul. He was the Osama bin Laden of his day. That's a horrible title to have to your name if you think about it in the relationship to what you and I know, especially of 9-11. To be a terrorist, to be the fact that he killed Christians... And it's recorded in this book and how he did that, how much the guilt of that. And can you imagine, even though it's not recorded here, how people would remind him of that? They would say, well, you remember what you did in the past? But again, when people remind you of your past, you got to remind them of the promises of God and God says about your situation. And if God forgets and he is the ultimate judge and accountability of everything comes to him, then we've got to forget If we don't forget, if we don't forgive, we get into a dangerous place. What do you mean, Pastor Brian? I'm so glad you were thinking that. Turn to the book of Matthew. Let's look at Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 is the Lord's Prayer. But there's something very interesting and powerful at the end of the Lord's Prayer that we sometimes overlook. We'll pray the Lord's Prayer, which we should. And there's principles in the Lord's Prayer that are outlined that are relevant for today. But there's something at the end of verse, uh, at the end of this prayer in verses 14 and 15, when it comes to the second word. Let's say them together. The first word is forget. Everybody say forget. forget. And the second word is forgive. 
And then the third word is focus forward or focus forward. It's two words. Okay, focus forward. So let's say them together. Say forget, forgive, and focus forward. How about that? I'm, t- I'm so proud of my little three words here, <laughs> four words actually. But no, seriously, they're, they're powerful. And watch this in Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse number 14. Now again, these are Jesus' words, not mine. But notice what he says about forgiveness here. He says, if you, look what he says, for if you forgive men your trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Amen, Pastor Brian. Hold on now. Watch what it says in verse number 15. Go to verse 15, and what does it say? Watch this. But, everybody say but. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. So what does that mean, Pastor Brian? That means forgiveness is not an option. It is extremely dangerous to get to a place, we're going to talk about it in just a second here, of unforgiveness. To the place where you're holding on to something, that you're refusing to let it go. And when you do that and practice that, ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you what, that's a dangerous place to be in, in my opinion, spiritually. And I don't want that to happen for you or anyone, and especially the fact of what I'm going to show you here and some other things. Over in Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4, notice what it says in Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 32. This is, again, these are words of the Apostle Paul. This man had a revelation of understanding the grace of God, the mercy of God, and also what we're to do is we had to move forward in life. Ephesians 4.32, look what it says here. It says, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God and Jesus Christ has forgiven you. Notice again what it says, and be kind to one another. I was talking to the mayor of Burleson this year, and I said, hey, I found in the Bible where kindness matters. You know, kindness matters. You see the signs around here. It's actually a verse of scripture here in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. He thought that was true, and he agreed with me. And so kindness does matter, but in God's kindness is not only just a matter of, of priority. It's the way we're to live, because it says right here, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, and then how does it, how does, how does this all connect together? It says forgiving one another, and why do we forgive one another? as God in Jesus Christ forgives you. If you don't get to a place where you can forgive someone, you're in a place of being dangerous as far as your own spiritual well-being. Because God created for you and I to forgive, and not only to forgive others, but we have to forgive ourselves. I I like to say it like this. We need to enable grace by extending grace, right? Right? If you extend grace to others, then God will extend grace to you. You say, Pastor Brian, you don't know what that person did to me or what that person did to my family or what that person did to so-and-so. I understand that. I completely understand that. When people go to incarceration for things they did, especially crimes of murder and things like that, that's a hard place to forgive. But if you'll forgive and let the justice system do what it's supposed to do and let God handle the outlook of that situation, that's the best place for you to go as far as my opinion of a healthy approach to that situation. I've had to practice that. I practiced that in my own life with my dad's situation many years ago. Y'all have heard about me share about that many times. But that was a place of forgiveness. That was a place where I truly walked in trusting the Lord and forgiving those people and, and actually setting the course of my life. And I'm reminded in my spirit right now that 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 time in that courtroom, if I in that court hall situation, when I went up there and watched my dad go through all that public embarrassment and all those people just driving down and persecuting him for senselessness of political gain, 
that I had to forgive. And that forgiveness in that courtroom situation for that entire week was the very seed and the very foundation that brought me to transition to here a year later. Because I had, I mean, again, I had to pray through that situation. It was not easy. Forgiving is not an easy thing to do. And I'll never forget going back to this, we have this place near our house. There's a creek, it's called Talladega Creek, and it's got this real nice dam that's built and it has this area where you can walk around it and railing and all that and I go and I, I go there often when I'm there probably will go there this week when I'm there and I like walking around that area and I like hearing the roar of the water coming off that dam but I went there every day during that court situation practicing what I'm telling you extending grace and this is what I did I said, Lord, I forgive this situation, and I'm asking you to help my dad. Help us as a family. Help me to keep my peace. Don't say anything. I would come to the court, and I would acknowledge people, and I would say hello to people. But again, even though I didn't, you know, I could talk about the court situation all I wanted to, I just refused to talk about it. I refused to rehearse it with my dad or my mom. We had hired the best lawyer possible. That was his job and his responsibility. Let him handle it. My job was to be at peace. My job was to trust God. My job was to forgive. And I kept saying to the Lord, Lord, it's your situation. I forgive, I forgive, I forgive. But I thank you that I'm thanking you right now that my dad, I want you to justify him and help him through this situation. And even though it didn't turn at that moment, but months later it did turn when the prosecutor that was prosecuting my dad was found for embezzlement in the highest form and the most expensive form that's ever been found in the county yet. And uh, it all turned around, and unfortunately, she went to prison. And uh, so that's the way that situation turned around. But you say, what did you have to do with that, Brian? I had nothing to do with that other than I'm telling you what I did. I for- practiced forgiveness as not, not just an option, but what I was going to do. Because in my heart, in my mind was telling me, you need to stay here. You need to fight for your dad's name. You need to fight for your family. And um, that's when that week I really wrestled with the fact that should I stay in the state of Alabama? Should I run for political office? Should I lay down this transition of what I was in at Christian Life Church and being on staff of this large church of, of, of several thousand people and with the pathway that my dad's name had and all that I had and all the people around my dad, I could run for office and immediately I could probably win those offices, especially the state senator, and move on one day to be governor, and I'll vindicate our name. And I thought about that, and I thought about all the people there that were supporting my dad that would make that happen. But I made that decision that I'm going to trust God, I'm going to forgive, and I'm going to give it to him. And I consequently, several months later, instead of staying in Alabama, I was offered a position to come here to Texas. And thank God I came to Fort Worth, Texas, because ever since I put my foot here in 1993, God's hand and favor and blessing has been upon my life, all because I practice not holding something against someone, trusting God, forgiving my dad, forgiving the situation, even though he did not fail, but his political friends and his people around him, that all was allowed to happen. And so I had to forgive everyone, including myself. And uh, I'm telling you what, when you forgive yourself and forgive others, you're in a place of absolute emotional health. Unforgiveness is a very dangerous thing, ladies and gentlemen. I know in my own life, and I just want to warn you in your own life, if you don't practice it, it will destroy you. It can really ruin your life. I know in my instance right there in 1990, 
to transitioning in 1993. It's what saved me and kept me to a place of purity to come here eventually. And I'd like to close with this, um, and we'll pick more up next week as we work on this message and develop this message more. But unforgiveness is a terrible thing that affects us emotionally. And that's the last point I want to share with you. Unforgiveness is a dangerous thing. Uh, In my own life, in my own family, I grew up with a lady, my Aunt um, Judy, who just absolutely was a very bitter person. And she refused to forgive my Uncle Jack for what he did for her uh, against her back in the um, middle 80s because he had an affair with one of his secretaries. A one-time situation with an affair of, of it was horrible, but it was, it was a one-time situation of an affair. He was vice president of a large uh, clothing company, uh, Oxford Shirts Manufacturing. He was one of the vice presidents. Uh, just a very humble man, in my opinion, just just had a very hard marriage. She was always bitter. Um, she was bitter about a lot of things uh, from the very onset of their marriage to, to the situation that collapsed there when he committed this one-time affair with his secretary. And again, I'm not justifying what he did, and he didn't either. But here he was, a very wealthy man, astute man financially, uh, just good to me. But anyway, she refused to forgive him. And I, I, I just, here I was after going through this situation with my dad and then my cousin, uh, who was like a brother to me, passed away uh, on January the 2nd, 1992. I mean, 92 was a terrible year. <laughs> I just couldn't tell you. It was one of those bad years. I mean, you know, you got a cousin dying, your dad's going to court. I mean, you know, it's just a bad year. I mean, it was just a horrible year, but it's also a year of victory in the fact that the things I'm sharing with you, I had to practice. It's one thing to get up here and share these principles of forgetting and forgiving and focusing forward. It's another to live them. And so after the whole, I'm in the midst of the whole situation. Uh, you know, my cousin passed away. It's like a brother to me. I only have a sister. And so here I am in 92 with that whole weight of that situation. And I'll never forget, I said, Ain't Judy. Uh, I was talking to her over the phone. I said, Ain't Judy, you've got to forgive. And she said, I will never forgive him. I will never forgive him. And you should never forgive those people that's doing that to your dad. You've got to hold on to it. You can't let it go. And I was arguing with her on the phone. And uh, I said, you've got to forgive. And if you don't forgive, it's, it's, just, it's just the wrong thing in the Lord. And, I mean, we wrestled that thing, you know. We, we agreed to disagree. But you know, the point with it is she just got more and more bitter. And that was from 92 all the way to the end of 97 and going into 98. And in 98, on my birthday of all things, she passed away. And as she grew older, even though she was wealthy, she had money, she had all these things as far as, you know, what life would want as far as my Uncle Jack, he passed away, and she never forgave him, really. She never forgave the whole situation of all that happening. And when she died, I'll never forget this, it was sad, because you could just see the holding on to unforgiveness just year after year made this woman who just turned 60 years old, she looked like she was 90 years old. And my point with all this story is, as I saw this over a seven-year window, I saw this unforgiveness keep taking her down, 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 and she died. And when she died, I was on the phone with my, my cousin, who's a doctor, and um, he had the doctor next to him. And they were on the phone, and um, he said, the doctor, I, I just said to my cousin Derek, who was a doctor, I said, Derek, how did she die? I mean, I know she was dealing with heart situations. Is this exactly what the doctor said right there on the, on the speakerphone or on the phone where I could hear it? 
He said, she literally died of a broken heart, emotionally broken heart. I said, wow, how? I never heard of that happening. And I started doing the research on it. And sure enough, I actually talked to a doctor friend of mine. He said, you can get so suppressed in your own emotions and your own bitterness and resentment towards life that that unforgiveness can actually affect the heart muscle itself. And I never, I never heard of that. Of course, I'm not a doctor or a medical person. But I began to study that and begin to pray about that and, and thought about that. And I thought about that through the years of I've ministered to people, people that make statements like that. Well, I just can't forgive, Pastor Brian. I just can't forgive, and I sure can't forget. But I want you to know it's a dangerous thing. And I want to close this service just praying with you about that because maybe there's something hidden. Maybe there's something public. Maybe there's something even in a marriage situation or a family situation. You've got to practice this. Please don't. Please learn from my Aunt Judy. 60 years old. 60 years old. All that wealth, all that money, and all that she had, and yet she died of a broken heart because she refused to forgive. Forgiveness is not an option. Forgetting is not an option. And the only way to make this new year the best new year possible is not for you to win the lottery, not for you to have all these things that you believe will make you happy. It all starts not with on the outside. It all starts with on the inside. And the only person to heal the inside and make you whole on the inside is not me, your wife or spouse or family or money or whatever. The only way that can happen is the Lord himself through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I just want to pray with you a sincere prayer of commitment. Listen, I'm all excited. We're going to talk about focusing forward. You know me. I am Mr. Expectancy. I believe the best for people. I rally around any situation. You tell me it's impossible. I'm telling you it's possible with God. That's just my attitude. That's the kind of person I am. But I really believe sincerely, as Rocky, the Apostle Rocky said, (laughs) life's hard. Life's tough. And life hits very hard. And there's the curse of this world. But I'm telling you, if you'll forgive, if you'll forget and forgive and begin to focus forward emotionally and put your faith in God as the Apostle Paul, I mean, he made the Lord the most important thing in his life. And back in 1992, 93, that's the decision I made. Maybe you don't have a creek bed you can go to, but I would find that place. That place means a lot to me. I made pictures of it the last time I was there because I've heard from God at that spot. I practice forgiveness. I practice forgetting. And I ask God, the, the greatest prayer I can ask God and you can ask God is, Lord, whatever you want of my life, I am yours to command. You tell me what to do. And in 1992, he commanded me to stay in the ministry and let me open the doors. And I started 92 and 93. It was terrible. But the more I moved into it, the better it got. Then all of a sudden, I got that one phone call from a man named Dr. Jerry Savell and said, hey, I want to meet with you. I got something on my heart that the, watch this, that the Lord's been dealing with me about all this year. All this year, I've been thinking about you for months and months and months. And I'm going to be in Gaston, Alabama, which is right up the road from you. Would you come meet with me after the service? I said, I'd be glad to. I'm going to come see you anyway. And uh, he said, let's meet after the service and let's talk. As a matter of fact, I don't want to go to a restaurant. I want you to come to my hotel room. I just want to sit down and talk to you about what I've been hearing in my heart for months now. 
I said, wow, I can't wait to hear this. <laughs> and sure enough, I sat down in that room. He said, listen, I know you love the state of Alabama. You've got a lot of things here. You've got a lot of foundation here. I brought him to Talladega to the race. We'd been to the race several times. We'd enjoyed Talladega. I'd, again, he knew how much I love the great state of Alabama. He said, but I want you to come to Texas. And these are the words. Because he said, I believe in Texas there'll be a new beginning and a new place of ministry and opportunity that you've never known before, and it'll be even greater than Alabama. And when I got here in 93, he was right. He was absolutely right. Because you know what? I learned to forget, and I learned to forgive, and I learned to focus forward in spite of all the negative around me, and I refused. I I know I've had the F in all this, but also I refused the flesh. I said, I'm not going to go to my flesh. I'm not going to seek this or seek that or do this or do that. I am going to focus on the Lord, and I'm going to give it to Him. Yes, when you give it to Him, the answers are not always right there for you. But you know what? God's moving, because apparently God was moving on Dr. Savell at the beginning of that year, nine months later, to tell me and ask me, because it took nine months. How long has the baby come to be developed? Nine months. Sometimes a vision takes nine months. Sometimes things take a process, but when God's orchestrating the process and putting it all together, and by the way, at that ninth month when I met with him, I went and met with my parents. You know what my parents said? I couldn't believe it. They were in complete agreement for me to move and supported me moving. We will miss you, but we believe it's the right thing for you to do. And the rest is history. Because one year later, I met Sheila and... I had to enter into a relationship with her. I had to fight her off for that entire year of chasing me. <laughs> Pastor Brian, you lying now. No, anyway, yeah, that's not the truth. But anyway, no, I, had to, I did meet her, and then I met my family, including Richard. And, man, it was awesome. <laughs> so, no, nah, Richard was funny. Anyway, it was all great. As a matter of fact, what I had lost with my cousin dying, God gave me brother-in-laws that absolutely have outshined him. What I didn't have there, God made that up. Of course, Sheila, the support, and then my precious pastor, Harold New Nichols. All of that because I made two decisions at the beginning of 1992. And what are those two decisions? As we close, I'm going to forget and I am going to forgive. And then we'll talk about it. I focus forward. Really, really what for me, focusing forward was about I was simply giving it to the Lord. Because you know what? I came to a place in my life that, you know what? You are smarter than I am. I can't figure this out. I'm not going to figure it out. I'm going to give it to you because you are the Lord of my life. And I am going to T-R-U-S-T you. Amen. Lord Jesus, I thank you for a brand new year. I thank you so much for an opportunity to learn from our past. Thank you for teaching me. And I thank you for teaching each person in the sound of my voice and helping us fulfill all that you called us to be. Lord, we commit ourselves to you and thank you so much, not by our works, but by your grace, we can fulfill everything you called us to be. Let's all say this together in a form of commitment. Say, Lord Jesus, I dedicate myself to you at the beginning of this year. I am yours, spirit, soul, and body. Yesterdays are yesterdays, and today and tomorrow I am trusting you. I give you my past. I give you last year. And from this moment forward, I'm going to trust you with all my life. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.